Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two handsome debonair co-hosts, uh, Dave Glanz and Mike Randy. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. If this is your first time tuning in to us, you can find all our episodes at ReviewedPodcast.com. You can subscribe to us on uh, iTunes. You can uh, like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Reviewed Podcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. And today, in honor of its, um, I guess, 20th anniversary, we are going to be talking about Clueless. So, okay, like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? And it's like, when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right? People came that, like, did not RSVP, so I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, squish in extra place settings, and, like, people were on mismatched chairs and all. But by the end of the day, it was, like, the more the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. Wow. You guys talk like grown-ups. Oh, well, this is a really good school. We are very, very old. Clueless came out in 1995. Uh, it's directed by Amy Heckerling. God. It is a classic uh, high school um, comedy that basically was a cultural phenomenon when it was released in 1995. It uh, wasn't expected to do very much, and it ended up kind of um, seeping into pop culture. Pop culture. I mean, yeah. this is a movie that I'm excited to talk about. It. I chose this film to discuss and. Uh, this time around, because uh, I'm excited to talk about whether or not a movie that is so of its time can hold up <laughs> hmm. uh, when you're watching it 20 years later, you know, a movie that comes out in 95 versus now watching it in 2015. So the thing I, um, I guess I'm, I'm going to start with Mike as I usually do, mm-hmm. but I, I, before I do that, I wanted to preface things by saying that Clueless was one of my all-time favorite movies growing up, like in middle school. I used to watch it all the time. Oh, wow. And that's because I had an older sister that used to watch it all the time. So uh. in consequence, I would be watching it too. And um, I kind of uh, fell in love with this fictional high school universe they created. Um, it, it felt like to me how I always wanted high school to be and how it never was. Like this idea high school's that- meaner. Not only is it meaner, but I, it's just it's just a lot more dull. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this this movie adds a lot a cer- of sunny. This movie makes a certain wasn't. glamour to the act of going to high school and of being. You never at that hooked age. up two your teachers together. I don't. <laughs> Who has it, Dave? You have surely. I'm probably getting my. You know what? I'm I'm getting ahead of myself as I usually do. Aren't I on this show? <laughs> what is Clueless about? Uh, Clueless is um, a film about a rich high school student who tries to boost a new pupil's popularity, but she also uh, gets involved with other. Um, miscellaneous subplots along the way. It's a tough movie to describe in a log line it, it because is, yeah, it doesn't yeah. have a generalized plot. But the basic idea is there is a wealthy girl, Cher Horowitz, who lives in Beverly Hills. She goes to high school. She, um, uh, she in order to get better grades, she tries to hook two teachers up. And then in realizing that, she decides that she likes doing good deeds and then tries to do good deeds and then realizes that really she herself is the one that needs to change uh, or come to terms with who she is. Um, So I guess that's kind of the basic premise. coming-of-age high school story about a 16-year-old girl. Yes. It's based off Jane Austen's Emma very, very loosely. In fact, Mm. this actually started a trend because Clueless was so popular of movies in the 90s and early 2000s adapting Shakespearean plays mm. to a high school milieu, yeah. like 10 Things I Hate About You. Romeo and Juliet, right? Was that mm. before? Oh, 
well, were, Romeo and Juliet is a straight adaptation, right. but like, right. um, <laughs> oh, there was something, there was a, Othello, I guess that was also more of a straight adaptation. No, well, I, I was going to say, oh, the movie mm-hmm. with... Um, Josh uh, Hartnett and yes, Mickey Fe- Pfeiffer, exactly. I think. Mackay Pfeiffer. Mackay Pfeiffer, sorry. Um, <laughs> I should know uh, that from the Eminem song. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's spaghetti. Um, so um, it was kind of... This movie, like I said, not only did it appear in um, how we talk and what we were saying and doing in the time it also inspired a lot of other hollywood movies that were trying to take classical literature and update them into uh, modern settings so uh before i keep on rambling on here mike i'm going to turn to you i'm going to i like to try to guess what you're going to think about this movie and i'm going to assume that you absolutely hated it (laughs) (laughs) you would be guessing incorrectly oh, yes i brought him on board <laughs> yeah no i i uh i definitely didn't go into it thinking i was going to um i i think i didn't think the movie was satirical i i think it is i think it, it is in some way tongue-in-cheek most of it um wait you're saying you do think it's satirical? yes yeah, yeah i, I didn't I think agree it was you. going to be i thought it was gonna be a movie of like how awesome it is to be a teenage girl in the 90s <laughs> so like a lot um, of up talk what's that a lot of up talk yeah yeah, yeah. and uh and I think obviously some of it is for sure, and I think uh, it, it, I, there's a little more to it. I think it is poking fun a little bit at that kind of culture and that uh, mentality. And um, but my God, I don't know if we'll ever get a movie that is this '90s. I feel like <laughs> no, I, I, if you would have put it into a time capsule with the '90s, where this is like the most condensed form of '90s. It's like a marketing executive said. I know it's '90s. Flannel, uh, uh, Dutch angles, Dutch yeah, angles, right. knee socks. The thing, yeah. Just saying things like the overproduced, word, like uh, fat, rock, the word fat. Rock. I haven't heard that word in like 20 years. Well, it is funny to me that I said that Speed was the most '90s movie ever made. Oh, this I, I was blows a, it out of the water. I was yeah. incorrect. <laughs> Clueless is the most '90s movie. ever In fact, made. I almost that we've done on this podcast at least. I don't have to. I, I would be hard pressed to find another movie that's more '90s than this. I, in fact, I thought it almost was coming out like. I thought maybe it was made in like the 2000s without knowing the year offhand. I thought maybe like they made it after the 90s as like a way of like poking fun at the 90s. <laughs> I'm like 95. No, this was like right in the middle of it. This it is almost genuine. does feel like something like that. Like, yeah, like, yeah. The attention to details to make it look like the 90s was incredible. But amazing. They say words like fat. Like they almost, the way they said certain things were like, like whatever. But then what's interesting is that like I'm, I'm watching the movie and I'm like, well, which one of these, you know, the chicken and the egg conundrum we always have is like, were these things already being said when this movie came out or did they prov- like start them into ha- like uh, some of them like Audi uh-huh. by the way for the record I always thought it was O-U-T-T-I-E apparently it's A-U-D-I what? Did you watch it with subtitles not. on or something? No, no. If you read about it like look it up online it's apparently how they wrote it I guess in the script like it's supposed to be in, like yo I'm out like a fast car I guess so. This is not. We're not talking about oh. an uh, O. Oh, okay. I always thought it was O U T T. So I thought, yeah, and I, I was so confused. When I was there was there was like a Clockwork Orange element to the language here. <laughs> yes, I was confused. Yes. I was like, what? A but Betty? Like, what? <laughs> some of it, like I don't know how many of that like was was real and how much already existed and they just drew on. I like think that's. I mean, we, I think we should give some credit to the writer and director Amy Heckerling because I think she yeah. did create a certain amount of lingo yeah, to populate so. the film. I mean, there were there were phrases and expressions like uh, she's a full out Monet mm-hmm. that that didn't exist before the movie. That's a clueless creation. Does that exist now? I've, I've, not, I've never. Oh heard yeah, that. I say that all the time about things because you of do? clueless. I've never heard you. say Well, that. it's because apparently you watch that movie a lot and you say. I think it's a really clever clever metaphorical way of speaking. So what does that mean? A full on Monet, just something very beautiful. No, 
she says it in the movie. She says it's like the Something painting you see. Awesome From far get, away, it looks yeah. okay, but up close, it's a big old mess. Okay. Yeah. I guess. See, uh, <laughs> it's when Ty says, "Do you think Amber is attractive?" And she says, "No, she's a full-on Monet." Yeah. From far away, she's okay, but up close, she's a big there. old mess. Okay. Sorry. It's great. It's very clever dialogue. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So you enjoyed it, Mike. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I was entertained by it. I, I, right. I didn't glean any deep truths about reality, but there are certain things in there like her dad, you know. Fantastic like, character. Yeah, he, he's great. Um, Dan Hedaya. Right? Yeah. That's how you pronounce him. Uh, he's a big character actor. Yeah, but, well, he only does one character, though, but he's good at it. He's good at it. It's not a complaint. Um, yeah. Grumpy Italian guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's his name? Uh, Paul Rudd, whose mm-hmm. eyes are like diamonds in this movie. I don't know how they got all those highlights and shines in them. Um, the only person with shinier eyes than him was the guy Christian. Um, when she first meets him, it, there's like five miniature suns in that kid's eyes. It is nuts. Right. Well, they were um, definitely going for people that looked like the popular. They look like Kenda and Ken and like, Barbie. Like Luke Perry yeah. and the, one, the people they were talking about, Luke Perry and Jason yeah. Priestley. I mean, they, those guys were like the teen idols of 93 right, yeah. and 45. And, uh, yeah, they definitely <laughs> had that look. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think if I my only major gravity, you know, as long as I'm not taking it super seriously, which you can't, mm-hmm. my only gravity, I think, like I haven't mentioned already, is that the plot, like, there wasn't really, like, one major plot. It was kind of like a couple of different things happening at once. It's hard to kind of nail down, like, what the movie is about. I think you kind of just nail it. It's just the goings-on of a high school student, you know? Um because I feel like that everyone like explains the movie. It says the movie is um, her making over uh, Ty, but I th- it's so much more than that. There's so many other things going on. I feel like that's only like one thread of maybe three or four that are, that are you know woven throughout the movie. So Dave, why don't you take it away? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, so I take notes on every movie we watch, and while I was taking notes, my wife sometimes is watching these movies with me. She's like, "You're not taking a lot of notes on this movie." I'm like. I'm like, yeah, I guess not. She's like, I guess you're not gonna have a lot to say. I'm like, I don't know. I guess. Maybe yeah, you'll always have a lot of tons to say if I know. <laughs> well, you do. I do, well, I I do sometimes. Let's start with your wardrobe the day you saw this movie. Uh, I had flannel, but that I mean, I <laughs> who didn't? I mean, come on, the president of the United States was wearing flannel then. So, so I mean, I mean, my to jump jump ahead. My overall my overall feeling about Clueless is that it's a good movie, but is it a movie that people have to see? No, definitely not. I mean, it's not a, oh, I disagree entirely. No, I would, I would agree there on that. It's one, definitely not. A, it's definitely not a movie people have to see, and and it's it's okay. It's a good movie. I mean. It's it's kind of it's representative of its time, but that's only but only in a superficial sense. I mean, like it, it's got a, it it has all the superficial qualities of the '90s that we're that we're talking about, like the flannel, the the look, the attitude, um, and it's it's like a, it's a nice movie. I remember when I saw it on video. I didn't go see it in the theater. It came out on video shortly. It wasn't a huge hit. It was a hit, but it wasn't like Terminator Two, you know, level. Of, of a well, I think it's very similar office. to Terminator 2. I think they both, I think they're very as, as far as box office is concerned. Box office, I mean, just even what they're both trying to say, I think they're right. both kind of. True, yes. Oh, so you got around to seeing Terminator 2? Dave, I'm so proud you finally picked up on the sarcasm. <laughs> I am so proud of you. Thanks. It only took 42 episodes, but, you know, we're doing all right. Um, and I remember thinking, okay, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, I, I think Alicia Silverstone at the time was known mostly for these Aerosmith videos, and, and those were the kind of that was the kind of music uh, that I kind of mocked, you know, at that age. I'm like, this, this is, what is this? this a movie with a, a lead, the girl from the Aerosmith videos? Turns out she was pretty good in this movie. And she, yeah. she's yeah. actually, you know, pretty solid. And, and uh, there's a good supporting cast here. Uh, Amy Heckerling does a decent job with the writing and directing. So it's it's a good movie. It, it's just, I mean, after watching it again, I, I, I think this is the first movie on this podcast that I probably haven't seen since it first came out. So it, it 
you know, I haven't caught up with it since uh, 20 years ago. And it's okay. I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, I, I'm waiting it's for you to tell me, I'm tell, I'm waiting for you to tell me all the reasons why it's a lot better than just okay. But I mean, it's, you know, it, it's hard for me to, it's going to be hard for me to see anything beyond, okay, the script is, is clever. It's okay. The dial, I mean, it's, you know, the, the glossiness of it to me kind of just makes it a little too saccharine, I guess. I mean, if, I, if I'm trying to pick, nitpick a little bit, um, you know, I, I think that uh, the acting is fine. It, nothing goes above and beyond to make it like some kind of classic uh, in, in my mind. I, I think it's just, it, yeah, my wife was right. I mean, I don't have a ton to say. I mean, it was fine. It was like, it's interesting well, seeing all these actors right, well, that I know hold now. On, hold on. Who, let, me, let me ask you this question, Dave. Sure. Do you consider Legally Blonde to be a great movie? I've never seen Legally Blonde. Have you seen Legally yes, Blonde? Yes, I have. Do you consider that movie to be a great movie? That's fine. See, like I'm of the opinion that we as a society have this tendency to put an unnecessarily an un, like way too much weight and way too much responsibility on heavy movies, mm-hmm. but we don't respect movies that are not attempting to be heavy but are just really well made like a movie like clueless i'm the one who argued for babe <laughs> yeah no I, I feel like I, i'm the guy that's always trying to well i just think that in general like i think that clueless is like a perfectly made movie mm-hmm. like it's 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 incredible i think it's very well filmed i think comedically that there are certain choices and shots that are that are done without even dialogue that are really funny um, I also think that Alicia Silverstone's performance is excellent. I think I that think, yeah, I think if you cast anybody else, the movie her, doesn't work if she's no, not. Yeah, they I almost cast Reese Witherspoon, and mm. I think she would have been just as good, honestly. Well, that's why movie. I bring up the legally blonde thing, which is mm-hmm. why um, Reese Witherspoon had to, you know, play a character in a biopic to get an Oscar. I think mm-hmm. she deserved an Oscar for Legally Blonde, but that no one, uh, they're never going to give Reese Witherspoon that award for that movie because it's a light comedy. And this is this issue we have, I feel like, where we don't give enough respect for comedic actors doing things. I think it's very hard to play the comedy in this movie because the dialogue is so heightened and because uh, the lingo is is what it is. If you don't have the right person saying it, it could come off as very ridiculous. It's and, just, it's tough. I, I don't know. You compare it against like a, a heavy movie and I feel like a heavy, mo- heavy movie always wins. It, this has its value, but... I think when you talk about like Oscars and, and and again this always comes back to the we always discuss like entertainment or you know mm-hmm. something that's going to be more than entertainment. I feel like this is great for entertainment. I, I had a great time. I enjoyed it. I, I laughed more than I thought I was going to. Um, but still, I mean, I think that's you kind of have to expect that that that's it's a movie for entertainment. You can't compare it. I wouldn't go in uh, Ghostbusters is one of my I think one of my favorite you know most perfectly executed comedy movies. But I'm not going to put that up against. You know any other movie that wins an Oscar and say like, hey, that should have been considered for the same award because I just don't think you know you, you apples and oranges. Well, I mean that's I mean yeah, that, I mean that's the difficulty of comparing anything creative because very rarely do they actually match up in that way. Um, but the reason I enjoy Clueless so much is um, I'm a big Heckerling fan. I realized because I was looking over her filmography and she's made Wayne's World, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Best time. That was made- not her. That was Betty Thomas. No, it was Amy Heckerling. Amy Heckerling made Wayne's World? Yes. Uh, all right, let's look that up. If only there was a device sitting here. Okay. Two devices. We could look it up. Three. My gosh, look at that. I have one, too. I'm almost positive that was Betty Thomas. But uh, This is called the Wikipedia right, cast. We're having a live recording. Pen- oh, we're both wrong. Penelope uh, Spheris. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, I knew that. I didn't want to say Oh, she anything. did Fast Times. I, Fast, uh, times. I Fast love, Times is what we're thinking. I love Fast Times. I don't know how you're mixing up those two movies. Maybe but I, I also like Fast Times. Oh, and I think God. Clueless is, is, a, is a sad time for our podcast. She also, did, um, she also did Night at the Roxbury, which I, I think is actually an underrated um, 
Um, I haven't seen it. I, I just it, remember the reviews, so I can't say anything. I think that in terms of Saturday Night Live movies, that's one of the better ones. But <laughs> all right, <laughs> not, it's no, it's not Wayne's World good. But it's no Coneheads, know. but uh... <laughs> well, Coneheads is one of the worst ones. Um, I don't know. I just there's a sensibility about this movie where um, it's got a very great pop pop sensibility that I really really like. I think it moves very well. I think the char- I think that it's a very interesting uh, balancing act to make characters that it should inherently be unlikable. They're rich, spoiled white people. Yes. Uh, or except for uh, a couple black people as well in it. Yeah. They're rich, spoiled people, but they're still somehow likable. Um, they're never um, they're never annoying with their pettiness and the fact that they you know, real people have real problems. Well, I think that's a subjective view. I mean, because to well, me, some of it, honestly, what I mean, maybe this is the problem I have with a movie like this is that it's hard. I do find it. It's a very challenging thing to make you care about characters whose whose problems are are aren't real problems, right? They're problems in their own, in their head. I mean, but they're not like you know. The stakes are, are pretty pretty low. Well, I think movie. it's funny that the movie even pokes fun at this because they have the ter- the character of Miss Geist who's trying to help. You know, she's the she's the do gooder teacher that's always trying to raise fundraisers for uh, various causes. And the final you know end of the movie, they're talking about the Pismo Beach disaster relief. And Pismo Beach is a is a very opulent, wealthy seaside town in California that like. Like it's just a bunch of like the fact that they need disaster relief. It's not like it's Haiti right, or yeah, like some yeah. place in Latin America that is you know a third world country. It's a it's an area that's an hour north of Beverly Hills. So it's like right. the fact that they're the ones that need the most help is, is really funny to me in the concept. I think that's an in joke in the movie, and uh, I don't know. It's just like little I, I think, things like that. I think Heckling does a very good job of you know starting a movie out. You're watching a bunch of rich, spoiled people, and you know I think I, I think the way she does it is at the beginning she kind of lets you make fun of them a little bit. Like you're kind of like like oh my gosh, there's a program that lets her pick out her dresses. Like oh my god, she can't drive. Like so, in some way, you're kind of like the movie's kind of making fun of her a little bit, but then you're also getting brought into her world and kind of understanding that there's more to her than that. She's not so bad. She's well, got, the thing know. about her character that I like is that she, yes, she's very superficial, but deep down, she actually like she starts doing these deeds because she cares only about. Um, herself her own personal gain but as she develops you realize that she genuinely does care about things i would say i, I don't think she's as superficial as a lot even in the beginning because it, you know we find out early on that she doesn't date high school boys and mm-hmm. she doesn't like you know her girlfriend has the ridiculous hat on and she's dating you know the guy and and you know that I feel hat, like this, man. The that's hat's amazing mm-hmm. I, I feel like she is a little bit you get the sense even from the beginning that she is a little different now, yes she is manipulative right but she's also i don't think not the same as a lot of the other characters in the movie um, so I feel like in some way she is it makes it easier to root for her especially in contrast to uh, her friend Dion who's got the crazy hat and they're in the, in the car I feel like by comparison I think her friend Dion's a little more spoiled and a little more like you know rich girl um, I think by comparison it makes her a little bit more normal and more approachable um, so going back to Dave's original question is why do I think this movie is important and I guess I'd boil it down to three main points. I wouldn't say it's important, but continue. One, I think it's um, a surprisingly feminist movie for a movie that is about in, supposedly an airhead teen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a character that has her own sense of drive. She's a character that is independent on another male character. This is a movie that passed the Bechdel test several times over. What uh, is that? The Bechdel test is a theoretical test that um, a movie passes it if... Two characters are women who are talking to each other, and they, there's a scene where they're not talking about a man, and that happened several times in the movie. Um, so I think that's 
I think that's really, I think it's interesting that she's a protagonist that knows what she wants. She's not going to be taken advantage of. And she stands up for herself uh, in situations uh, where she could be taken advantage of. For instance, the scene where Elton tries to basically make out with her. She gets out of the situation and tells him to go screw himself. Um, And then... uh, Gets robbed. But she, right. but she's that is her own. Like she takes a stand for herself. She doesn't let herself. Yeah. She does yeah. what she wants. She's not going to settle for that kind of thing. Um, I uh, she doesn't count entirely to hundred. She gets up well before <laughs> that. That's... The second uh, major point is I think that is interesting. A movie in nineteen ninety five about teenagers that they're multicultural. Uh, they're you know there's it's not. I think it's a choice not to make her best friend white. I think that's important for the movie and something I respect about the movie. And then the the, the third major thing is I like how um, um, Amy Heckerling is providing her insights about how teens should act, about what they should do, and how they should be um, as people. Like, it's okay. She's saying that I don't expect teenagers not to smoke, and I don't expect teenagers not to drink, but there's a responsibility you have to be as a person. And I think the movie makes that point very eloquently and subtly. Like, the um, the, the main character of Cher is, sh- is shown going to parties, she's shown drinking, she's showing smoking pot, she's shown doing those things, but she also shows the distinction of being a burnout. Which yes. is, I think it's, it's yes. a really important that the, mo- the distinction that the movie is making that it's okay to... Um, it's okay to not be a perfect angel, but at the same time, you can't just be a total loser. And I think that the I think that the movie does that very well, and I think it's funny yeah, because even what's his name, uh, Travis, by the end of the he movie, has an arc. Cl- yeah, he's cleaning himself up and he's trying to get himself together, and yeah. So and- I mean, those are the reasons I think the movie still kind of steps outside its bounds. I think it's light, but I think it's light in the best kind of ways. In the fact that I'm invested in these characters, I care what's happening. I find Paul Rudd to be devilishly charming as always. He, <laughs> and he looked weirder backwards. when he he looked a little weirder when he was younger. Yeah, he does seem to age back. I think he looks yeah. he's more handsome now yeah. than he was in Clueless. Well, yeah, cuz he was like 15 in Clueless. I he mean, wasn't that young, no, was he? No, he was he was, it was 20 years. He was probably like 22 or well, 23 or something. I mean, something. Clueless is no, from he had the to have been younger than that. Clueless no. is the age-old uh He's supposed to be like a 20-year-old college student. He's supposed to be a college student. He's supposed to be like a yeah. sophomore in college, right? Yeah. So, um but the thing I find most interesting is about, um, like, this is one of those movies that is of the school of thought that teenagers are really 20-year-old humans because they all look a little bit too old. Like, Cher looks way older than the 15 and a half slash 16 that she's supposed to be in the you movie. Think so? yeah. I do. I, I think, think she looks so, yeah. much older. I thought, I thought the Alicia Silverstone was like 18 at the time. I kept thinking they were 18. in college. Not they look like college students yeah. to me, not high school students. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. again... Except for the one dude with the braces. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Was, well, and I think I think Donald flies on from uh, Scrubs. <laughs> yeah, and I would say even what's his name? Uh, Travis even seemed a little... Brecken Meyer. Brecken Meyer. He's one of those actors. I think I don't like that guy because of his name. Is that Brecken Meyer? Is that a problem? Yeah, it's a, pro- it sounds, it's a problem it I have. Like a you problem. I yeah, think, it yeah. is a me problem. I don't really like that guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like see. he's doing a riff on Keanu Reeves or something. And, and uh, he was 26 at the time of filming. What Paul Rudd? Yeah. Okay. My God. So now we know so how old he is younger. now because it's been 20 years and I can do math. He hit us. How much? How old is he? 26. Nice, Dave. Yo, yes. High five. That was nice. Fist he bump. looks fantastic. Holy crap. 46. That's not right. Are we talking about Breckenmeyer or Paul Rudd? Paul Rudd. Breckenmeyer <laughs> hasn't aged as well. But, um, you think Paul Rudd's got any work done? Like, you think he's, he's got a guy? Uh, maybe he just has a youthful face like I do. That's perhaps what I'm You thinking. look like you're 45. Really? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You, you, look, you look your age. Thank I you. look I mean, like I'm... I, I haven't just turned 30, right? Yeah. So. 
Have you don't look younger than 30. I'd say you look younger than 30. Yeah, it's not, it's not a, the name Brecken's annoying because it almost feels like they're combining two normal names to make I like... Just, I'm calling him by his last name, and his last name is Breckenmeyer. Oh, Breckenmeyer. Yeah. Oh, it does sound like a last name. His, uh, you're going to love this, Dave. His middle name is Aaron, but spelled mm-hmm. the girl way, E-R-I-N. So he that. may have the most... <laughs> he has the most infuriating name That's ever. Stupid. But isn't he his just doing... That character is like a guy who's like a skateboarder, stonehead in, in her class, a stonehead, stoner, I, I stoner. think he's got some choice moments, though. I think like, yeah, there's he's, a doing, he's doing... He's basically... T- basically her... So in, He's doing Amy Heckerling, Spicoli. Right. So Amy Heckerling's uh, first... Uh, teen movie was uh, Fast Times at Richmond High which is probably most famous for Sean Penn playing Spicoli no it's most famous for the the, the, pool, the, scene. the pool scene what are you talking yeah. about okay so maybe boobs <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe that's what. okay can they be tied I mean when I think of Fast Times sure. I think of those two things but I, I probably put them no, on no I, I think of the boobs way before I think right. of right. Sean Penn no, right. good on you I know well I mean Sean Penn is half uh, you know he's got a shirt off a lot in that movie so there's male male boobs and female boobs and it is, is it is a, a it, it is a riff it is a riff I agree it is right. a riff it's on a riff Spicoli. on Spicoli and a riff on like Keanu Reeves I, so the, the, the character the kind of Bill and Ted kind of characters he was but playing. in contrast Travis does have like he's very he, likable he's, 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 he's but he like Spicoli is I think very meant much meant to be comedic relief and that's it mm-hmm. whereas Travis is a character that has an arc. He has a change in the movie. He's you kind feel, of got a couple sad moments where you he's feel like, very, yeah, you, you feel, feel very sad him. when she, you know Cher put, pushes him away mm-hmm. from Ty and when he's getting the, her the ice and his little wounded dog expression. You okay. feel bad you're for su- him. There. You're supposed to feel bad for him, I guess. But that's not something that you role. ever feel for Spicoli. Well, maybe we need to go back a while from now. Have do fast time. Do, do fast times at Ridgemont High. It's, it's it's okay. I mean, I'm not that attached to either one of these movies. Wait, so. you're gonna have a uh, you're gonna have a '90s high school comedy off Heckerling off Heckerling off, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> I guess. Um, I, mean, I I mean I put clueless again, and this might be another thing we talk about in this podcast a lot is this idea that if you're exposed to a movie a lot as a kid or when you're younger, you tend to like it more. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's ingrained to me to like this movie. So perhaps I am giving it a false self of self false sense of self-importance. That's what I'm here for, boys. I'm the great leveler. I come through <laughs> and I drop the hammer on. Well, the, 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 the great shame of this podcast right now is that we're three dudes talking about this yeah. movie. When this, there's a large female population that probably appreciates it more than a male population. I think we're all probably That's pretty fine. in touch with our feminine side. I'm happy too. we're doing this movie because we don't do enough female-centric movies, so it's, I think it's a good thing we're doing this. Well, thing. you know, you're watching this with your wife. Yeah. I'm, did you, does your wife enjoy Clueless? Oh, yeah. She said she wanted to be so <laughs> Silverstone when this movie came out. And she told I me she too. had seen it twice. She told me she had seen it twice. And then at some point during the movie, she's, she starts saying a line of dialogue before it happens on screen. I'm like, you've seen this more than twice. She's like, I may have seen this more <laughs> <Yeah>. than twice. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the great, I mean, I watch this with my wife, and I usually start every movie we watch for this podcast with my wife. And she only sticks around, I'd say, for about 10% of them. Mm-hmm. She stick around for the whole, the whole oh, yeah, of this. So Clueless passes the female test of uh, engagement. I mean, did you watch this with your girlfriend or no? Yes. yes. Did she enjoy it? Uh, no. pretty neutral, you know? Not yeah. into it. She's intelligent, so she didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, well. I think there is something. But your girlfriend is a little younger, so this yeah. may have been... I don't. This may have missed her probably, time. Yeah. Right. Your yeah, wife and sure. my wife. I mean, our, Rebecca and Michelle probably have seen this movie as as. I'm guessing they watched this right when they were 16 or 17, right, and right. this yeah, is like yeah. hitting them right at the right time. And, and even if you didn't see it, I think you would understand. Like, I think one of the things I like about the movie is I, it, I'm like, my God, I remember when this was the thing when everyone had when I had my open plaid shirt that I wore over T-shirts and I walked around <laughs> like I feel like so I, there's a certain amount of like growing up in the 90s. I feel like there's a certain 
a certain amount of nostalgia you get just from, you know, why, like, yep, I remember this stuff. Um, but as a male, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this movie does open. Uh, it almost feels like um, it's the opening of the real world from the 90s. Like the, but it the, makes the fun of that fact. Yeah, it, it, is it, it, is it making fun the of The opening it? line it is, yeah. I know what you're thinking, is this a Noxzema commercial or right. what? Like, it's making fun of how... It, it's shot intentionally to be that way. It's and again, it's like... Commercial. And, that's, and, and that's the kind of joke that... Um, it's not gonna. It doesn't really. It's not gonna resonate with people years from now because it's not gonna mean anything. No one knows what a Noxzema commercial is. No, no, no. I think I, I beg to differ because I feel like a lot of this stuff. Like, there's some things that are lost, but other things that are like, oh my god, this is so '90s. Like, I, I think it works. I think all that kind of stuff works because you, you. Maybe so, it'll be. So do you think that's what uh, uh, they were intending with this movie was to make it like a time they, capsule, yeah, like, a, like a moment I think of its, it's time? To be very poppy. I think they were drawing heavily from pop culture because it was supposed to be about pop culture. Mm-hmm. So I feel, you know, right. yeah, I, I think it's very intentionally supposed to reference things that exist at that time. Okay, and um, are big, right? Yeah. But the thing, I mean, like, do they even mention something about pogs at one point? Um, I mean, so all the attractive guys in the movie are referred to as Baldwins, which is very yeah. much a <laughs> <Yeah>. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm assuming means all the Baldwin brothers. Yeah, like definitely. Billy definitely. Baldwin and Alec Baldwin, and now right. Alec Baldwin Stephen is a Baldwin. is a sixty year old man. Yeah, he's no, he's fifty. He's Tom Cruise's. He's the same age. I think. Oh man, Cruise's aged so much better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Except, have you ever seen him with a shirt off, Tom Cruise? He looks amazing. What are you talking about? Oh, one shot. Four fifty three. Not, not fantastic. Well, for hey, we're fifty three. For fifty three, if I look like Tom Cruise, I've done well in my yeah. life. No. Yeah. Well, fa- I mean, yeah, his face is completely intact. Yeah, Tom Cruise has, is, yeah, has not done well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> God, if I end up like yeah. Tom Cruise, shoot me. Speaking of people who have done well, Alicia Silverstone, she never went on to like a... She never really became... Um, the kind of actress that say someone like Reese Witherspoon. Did. No, she, she, she never was, evolved. She, she became um, more of an activist. Um, was she the one that uh, played uh, Catwoman? She played Batgirl. 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 In okay, the awful Batman her. and Robin. She right. went through a... Fa- after the, the success of Clueless, which went on to spawn a book series and a failed television show. Uh, book and, series? Yes. Um... <laughs> The thing about this, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. The reason, like, um, you listen to that podcast, The Canon, where they talk about whether or not a movie belongs yes. in the canon of great movies. And yeah. one of their criteria is does the movie seep into the cultural influence? And you can't deny that Clueless oh, has done yeah, that. In like, a big way. The, yeah. the, just the, the way of saying whatever, that is, that is purely Clueless. As like, if. That, that is the, the taking Valley Girl, um, um, in speak speak mm-hmm. and making it something that people in freaking Oklahoma know what it is that's Clueless's job like <laughs> yeah. Clueless did that and yeah. I think that yeah, I think very few movies are ever that powerful enough like there are so many movies that just disappear and Clueless for some reason stuck around in a way that caused that much of a uh, of a, a sense of influence, so especially when you consider how much it influenced Hollywood as well like it's not just the culture it's it's, it's a lot of things so uh, yeah I just uh, I don't know. It's it's, it's a hard argument to make because it, it's I it, has it really stuck around that much. I mean, it, is, is it really that much of a cultural touchstone? I mean, I think that the impression of a Valley Girl, mm-hmm. like that, is very much in people's mind. Like that is, I think Clueless is very responsible I, I, for I, that. I might just that close my eyes to the stuff, and I just it's, it, to me, I just I don't I don't see it because I I 
I don't know. I don't pay I, attention to. I just feel like Clueless inspired shows like Daria. Mm-hmm. I think Clueless inspired movies like Ten Things I Hate About You and Can't Hardly Wait and other you yeah, know, big teen comedies. Yeah, so movies that I was never interested in watching. You know. You know what, Dave? I never so thought is it I'd about say you, or is it about the movie? You know, Dave? let me. Let I, me. I don't... I, see, I guess. I guess my problem is, is that I, I have a uh, an issue. It's 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 my my own issue. It's me. It's not me. It's not you guys. Yeah, it's we're me. aware. Okay, we're aware. Uh, <laughs> I have a trouble with with teen movies, whether they're female or male centric. I've never really been interested. Dave in. just broke up with teen movies i did i did well i mean is there a teen movie that resonated with you at all when you were growing up or you always a 45 year old (laughs) the graduate (laughs) i think the graduate you chose the artiest fartiest of the ball to (laughs) resonate with that was during dave's time the graduate the the graduate yeah that was right when i was 73 um the graduate true romance which we both we've done both of those that's not a teen those aren't teen movies but to me those were you uh, dave never wanted to be a teen he wanted to be a cool guy i think you're right i think I, i mean i didn't have a terrible time in high school but i never really identified with like the te- like the teenage teenage stuff i guess you know? I, this I mean, is gonna probably get like, way too personal i didn't personal, like going to parties and I didn't but like, i like this is uh, sound- there it is there what? it is right there dave did not like going to no parties. no no this I is get, but no this- not, not, that's not a slight but i'm saying yeah. if, if that's if parties don't interest you clues is not gonna interest you nothing about it will interest you because this is gonna get <laughs> this is gonna get too deep but i wanted to have the high school experience that these movies were saying existed that never existed for see, me see i didn't even want that oh i so did i wanted those group of friends i wanted those like memory and like i never quite had that yeah i did but, with you on this one i never wanted it no and Thanks, it explains Mike. a lot i totally did i just wanted <laughs> to be wanted there. guys <laughs> cheers to that yeah all right <laughs> Congrats on wanting to be loaders, you guys. There, there is yeah. there is a, a wish fulfillment kind of quality to this movie. It's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a fairy tale. I mean, it's absolutely. And that's is. why you, I think you also wanted Paul Rudd to fall in love with you. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, <laughs> but that's why I think for me I the wanted, stakes aren't really that high in this movie. I, I mean, wanted, what what is really happening in this movie? I mean, she 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 becomes a matchmaker and then she kind of falls in love with her her brother in law. You know, not brother-in-law, but uh, stepbrother, I guess. Step-brother, you know, and, and that's that's kind of that's, that's kind of what happens in this movie. Ex step ex stepbrother-in-law. That's basically what's happening in this movie. And there's not it doesn't really it doesn't really explore a lot of uh, I, I, this kind of comedy can explore the depths and of of, a, of a, what it's like to be a teenager. You know, like a, a movie like say um, I, I just it looked can up, or cannot. It can even a movie like we we did uh, the Breakfast Club, which I'm not a huge fan of, but at least that movie is um it's it's a light movie, but it's also it's heavy, tri- it's, it's heavy and it's light. well, it's light in the sense that it's you know there's a scene where they're dancing and the glass explodes in the library. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, true, you know yeah. it's 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 mostly a light kind of movie, but there's some it, it tr- at least tries to explore some interesting. Um, uh, themes of what it's I, like, I like to be that, a teenager, that right? Does the job better again? And, but, but I think it's different genre. I think it's right. it's not it's not really a comedy. I wouldn't want to argue that's a drama. This you know, movie's more... ju- this movie's kind of like a cupcake. You know, it's like it's to me. It's like it's and like, I it's love good. cupcakes. It's Dave. good. I love cupcakes too. But it's clearly you don't. But but I wouldn't put a cupcake on my DVD shelf. Okay, the metaphor is <laughs> no, totally. It's for, it's for DVDs, Dave. I would hope you're not putting food on there. That like... metaphor just went nowhere. <laughs> It disintegrated before you finished the Yeah, sentence. sorry. I, I I understand what you're saying. I, I do get. I do understand that point. Objectively, though, I think like this is always a thing. I feel like a lot of the movies I watch, I have no personal interest in, but I can recognize that they have value as a movie or to a certain group of people. And I feel like that's something, Dave. You have to be able to acknowledge it. Yeah, it might not be for you, but no, I, I am acknowledging. You, like, yeah, yeah, right, right. So, but you're saying you wouldn't put it on your. Well, because you don't like it, right? Fair and, and 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 objectively, I wouldn't put this in the list of like. I don't think it's that well made that it needs to go on the list of like, you know, excellent teen comedies. I think you that's want a, a good very. Teen movie? I think that's a very short list. You know, I think. Oh maybe, no, I put this up there in like top ten teen comedies. Not nah, top teen okay. comedy, Harry Potter. 
Okay. Is you that want a, a teen movie? <laughs> Go read a friggin' book, first of all. <laughs> which, which Harry Potter? All of them. Yes. <laughs> it starts off when he's like 10. Yeah, fine. It's not a teen movie. It, it covers a whole spectrum of teenhood. <laughs> I actually hate the Harry Potter movies, but I could get into one. They're, they're not bad, but they're not, not the books. But yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I, the, I Let's talk about a couple of the acting and performances. A couple things I want to talk about. Right. Um, let's talk about Brittany Murphy. She's really good in this movie. She's great in this yeah. movie. Um, that's Dion. No, no, no. That's Ty. Oh, Ty. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yes, of course. Um, and I think that Brittany Murphy's excellent, excellent was an excellent actress, and unfortunately, she is no longer with us. But really, what yeah, happened? She killed yeah. herself. So she knows she overdosed on yeah, same drugs. Same. It's Not essentially the same. the same concept. But yeah. I think this is a movie that really launched her career almost to a point better than Alicia Silverstone. Mm-hmm. She was the one that. Um, what you going to do? She ended up being in Eight Mile. She was in a bunch she, of thrillers. She was in. A, she was in a lot of movies. She yeah. was in a lot. She, of, she ended up like. Being the star of movie, like you know movies, as opposed to Alicia Silverstone, who kind of just kind of disappeared in the early two uh, thousands. So. Exactly. Uh, um, and so she went on to have this kind of uh, a more, uh, just a more well-rounded career, uh, essentially. She was in Sin City, I think. She was in Sin City. That's right. Yeah. Um, but she's playing this character. She's putting on this accent. Um, she reminded me a little of Marissa Tomei. Did, did, yeah. Did you, yeah. Did you get that? Yeah. Oh, she's like super cute in this movie yeah. too. Like, who's an actress I love, Marissa Tomei. I do too. I like Marissa Tomei a lot. Um, but yeah, I just I really liked her performance in the movie. I think that, um, I just ah, there's so many great visual comedic beats in the movie. For okay, instance, when go. she's when she <laughs> okay when she's uh, standing alone and trying to they're at that. They're at that party where they're dancing uh, and she's out with Christian, shares out with Christian and they cut to Ty and she keeps on trying to attract men and she has this like um, shawl that she doesn't know what to do with. So she like, it keeps cutting back to her and it's in a different place. Like she, first it's around her waist I didn't even pick and then up. it's that's around awesome. her neck and then it's around her head. Like she's doing anything to like attract attention. Like mm-hmm. that's a great comedic uh, visual. Comedic this is the moment. guy she's dating who uh, she thinks she's dating, but it's actually gay, right? No. Yeah. No, no, but no, no. They, cu- they keep on cutting back to Ty and Ty keeps Ty's on having by the, herself because she's, she's by herself and she's oh. being rejected. And there's a, there's a shot where they have these two gigantically tall men standing next to her right, like they're like right. seven feet tall like it's just it's a great it's a it's a heightened comedic moment that's great another good example of this is when Murray is on the freeway and they turn to the camera and he screams on the freeway that is a fantastic use of close up Murray like, uh, Don D- Dion's boyfriend yeah Dion, okay when he's like, what the hell? You're getting on the freeway? And then it cuts to his face when the, the, the truck is coming at him. It's just a pure sense of... He's got the braces. He's got the braces. Yeah. It's, it's fed, the, the shot of the boys with the extremely baggy pants walking down in slow motion <laughs> as she's chastising male culture, uh, teen culture in the 1990s about like, how am I supposed to be attracted to this? Right. And then you got and you got the guy Christian, Christian rolling in as like a 1950s greaser with his like jacket He's over so his classic. shoulder. And, and, it's and, great. And the thing about, uh, you know, even when he shows up to pick up, his car is a fantastic production choice. Right, it's like this yeah. 1950s convertible that's nice, perfect. Like, tiny little car. And yeah. then there's the great quip, uh, do you like Buddy Holly? And she says, I love him. Which Billy is Holly. No, Billy Holly. Sorry. Billy, 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 sorry. Yeah. Uh, which is a fantastic line. That's like, um, and if you look at like they're setting him up to be obviously something's off with him if you watch him in that dance scene how he's only looking at men yeah, in that well. sequence how he's just like it's it's fantastic like I don't think it's totally obvious that he's gay like 
until no, a little well, bit the later. She says like, oh, he's only he hasn't talked to me all night, and he's at the bar talking to the dude. <laughs> uh, you're at that point, you're like, ah, well, when okay. I first watched this, I have a distinct recollection that I thought he was a criminal or a thief of some kind that was trying to steal from her. <laughs> because he's really uh, interested in the dad's art collection. Hmm. <laughs> all right. But then I see him watching Spartacus uh, over and over. He's got a he had a real thing for Spartacus, which is yeah. just fantastic. Tony yeah. Curtis, which is like Spartacus. 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 That was funny. <laughs> see, it's still, I believe I remember Mel Gibson accurately. Like it's stuff like this. Yeah, all the references to Mel Gibson were kind of creepy. Because I Mel mean, Gibson, obviously, because Mel Gibson was the heartthrob in the right, mid '90s. Before Braveheart came out this summer, I think. Yeah, so I mean, it's stuff like that that I think the movie just does. I, I, I think that I guess it's apropos to say the movie is very clever, and maybe it's nothing more than that. But I respect something that's I can, very I can clever. Get behind that, yeah, uh, clever. Yeah, it, it's more clever than it has any right to be. And I think a lot of movies have attempted to emulate this style since, this heightened uh, comedic style. I think a movie like Juno owes a lot to Clueless. Yeah, I was just looking at that. I don't know if it owes a lot to Clueless more than... It, it, Juno, to me, feels a little more um, like it owes something to John the John Hughes kind of I think of the movies, cleverness but, of the dialogue is mm-hmm. much more heckerling than it is John Hughes. I would agree with that. You're right. Um, and I, um, I was listening... Like heckerling owes a lot to John yeah. Hughes. So uh, it's all it's all Ouroboros, right? It's all it's all the snake eating itself at the end of the day. I I, yeah. I um throw yeah. back to it's never ending story word. there. Great word. Episode there we like go. three. <laughs> I and and, Wait, and wow. talking about this movie being accepted, her best friend is black, and the way she just is so willing to accept a homosexual in the movie, I think, is really important for this time. This is the '90s when it's finally becoming, it's becoming socially okay for people to be gay in the 90s right. which has always been a societal stigma with the movie handles and does that very well and I mean, what's interesting is that he is not really a likable character either because he's kind of a jerk a little bit you know like he's it, not though he does he saves Ty and he does it he's, well, I'm saying, he's up to that point though he's kind of like this a little bit of a jerk and then he saves Ty and you're like alright this guy's the man and there's a the great line where she's like you know I even like hanging out with Christian he's becoming one of my favorite shopping partners right like, right she, yeah. she gets over the fact that they can't be together and that they become friends because of it like I, I, I don't know in I'm, real life never yeah, I don't know. know I mean to me to me, for the most part this movie's superficially progressive you know it's like it's, oh it, I mean, it's, it's, it's progressive. It's, it's progressive, like the, in the way that, say, a TV show like Will and Grace is, you know, or, okay. or or the Cosby Show was in the '80s. Not to make a Cosby reference, but you know, it's 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 uh, it's it's saying like, look how cool we are because you know, it's basically MTV. I mean, MTV was you know, it, it's uh, a progressive uh, thing because it's rock and roll, and rock and roll is progressive, and, well, and, and I, it's gonna I, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna be. Um, kind of on the cutting edge of what's socially acceptable and, and Clueless is definitely appealing to people who come home after school and watch I, MTV. I, I wouldn't say MTV's um, on the cutting at, edge of what's acceptable. No, well, are, back, 20 making, years ago, 20, maybe 20, 30 years ago. Well, I guess I, I think that society needs to move in baby steps versus giant leaps and we as a culture, the only way we were going to accept gay people on TV is if they were stereotypically gay, such as Will and Grace. If they right. were not threatening, if we never saw those characters having romantic like interactions i think that we had to get there and right. i think clueless is part of the initial step to help us get there yep maybe so, maybe i mean you don't i mean i mean how many uh you know we don't see a lot of movies featuring gay protagonists you know <laughs> well now, nowadays i think we're starting to get there more 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 but it's been 20 years so it's not like it's not like clueless broke down the doors or anything you know? i think it helped that's all i'm saying <laughs> i think it helped and i think I, I don't know i think it had more of an impact that you're giving it credit for it maybe it did but uh, you know, I don't know what can I say. I thought that this was a good movie, and I wasn't feeling like it that much. And uh, it's it's been it's this has been an interesting conversation hearing hearing your defense of it because to me this movie is the comedic sensibilities and heightened enough to like really make it stand out 
uh, and the, the the issues that it tries to tackle what aren't the, serious enough to make it really kind of resonate she, with when me. When she has the breakthrough and it's right in front, she's centered in front of a fountain, and the fountain erupts. Yes, with, that's yeah, a, yeah. that is a heightened comedic moment. It's yeah. slapstick and it works. Okay. Yeah, what about the two teachers? Like when 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 they. Uh... It's, it's funny that you, you're remembering these things, and I, and I sat there and watched the movie, and I don't remember. So you don't remember that shot? Oh. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Well, Do you remember, remember that tell, shot? When she tells the. Uh, oh, yeah. When See, Mike tells, actually watched the movie. I, I, I think that's what. I, I, I and I took movie. notes, Dave. I took notes. Well, I have a witness. I watched the movie. Um, <laughs> I have to ask your wife after this. Did he watch this movie? I, I kind of told her. I said maybe you should be the one on this podcast. Let's get her down here. Let's get yeah. no. I don't know. There, there are definitely some good. There's some good comedic. You have like when, <laughs> something as simple as her telling uh, the teacher that like, oh well, you know, Miss Geist said you're very smart. I'm like, oh, oh, really? Like he his face and just seeing how things operate and then he's like reading her poetry in the next man, scene. Wallace Shawn's the man. He's, Let's just he's say that. Oh, I love Wallace Shawn, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. I'm going to stop trying to defend Clueless. I think it's a very <laughs> important movie. I'm glad we rewatched it. I'm glad we did a movie that wasn't super heavy. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's kind of making me want to go back and watch. Unfor- you know, no, I, you I may not enjoy it. You watch some it, of these other worry. teen movies that I'm seeing, like say uh, Mean Girls or Ferris Bueller again, which I haven't oh, seen in a long mean time. Girls. Mean Girls is top 10. Um, that's a great team or, or Juno which I, I don't think I've seen since it came out uh, Easy A which I thought was a, a pretty decent uh, oh I like comedy. Easy A too yeah. uh, Dazed and Confused which is a different kind of genre I mean I, I, Dazed and Confused is more independent and arty though like, yeah but, but it's also a movie um, like, like Clueless is of its time right Dazed and Confused was nostalgia it's the same way to see a movie like American Graffiti was you know where it's like a, a movie made in the 70s that's like taking place in the late 50s so it's it's a filmmaker that grew up at that time saying this is what my life was like. So it would to me, you know, maybe it would have been more resonant if Amy Heckerling was like making a movie about like the seventies uh, about what her own. Uh, uh, she, she was making a movie about what she thinks teen life was like, and she's like you know late thirties, early forties. I'm guessing by the time she made this movie. Well, I would argue that she doesn't. She doesn't think that this is an accurate representation of teen life. It is a heightened represent. It's a satirical yeah. heightened representation guess, of teen life. I guess, but she could have made. Uh, that satirical representation of teen life and about you know her own coming of age. I think know, she was. Tra- it probably would have felt more honest. I don't think she was. To me, but I think she was trying Ooh. to. I think Sorry. she. I feel like I'm <laughs> shitting. It sounds like I'm shitting on this movie a lot. This movie's perfectly no, no, okay. It's, people, it sounds like it's worth. It's definitely okay. worth seeing. I just don't think you have. To I see okay. It. I guess what, okay. My my analogy would be it'd be like a filmmaker of today, like a filmmaker in their 40s today, making a movie about teens now and about like iPhone culture and like texting culture and making that now from their perspective. Like this is yeah. how I view. I can't. Like, I can't think of a movie now that that's any good. That's <laughs> that's like that. Not me neither. Mm-hmm. And that's why yeah. Clueless is amazing. Okay, okay, let's close out this podcast. <laughs> wrap it up. Let's wrap it up when I got the final <laughs> word in. Uh, Mike, Mike. Um, I guess you don't have any final thoughts, right? Are we good? You, you want, if you want to end it on a note, I can. I can forego final thought. I think I can forego. I think it's. I wouldn't say it's important. <laughs> you forego, boy. I forwent. Yeah, I, I think we're. I think that the, the way that we're coming down is three uh, a spectrum where I'm at one end, Dave's at the other. And you're kind of somewhere in the middle. That's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, a little leaning a little more to Dave's side. All right, fine. Sorry, Sorry. It's, it's totally cool. Um, <laughs> I know. Mike, I know. I am. Michael, where yeah. can people find your work on the internet? Find me online at mikemarandy.com. I recently reskinned the website. It's nice and shiny. Come find me there. Well, you said reskin is very creepy. Uh, little little well, serial I, I killer took, like yeah well yeah I, I, the skin I, of, uh, of teenagers. a new website I, I killed the new website took its skin off and put it on my old website oh, is what I did there you go Dave you're welcome <laughs> and audience you're welcome next movie is Silence of the Lambs <laughs> uh, yep you can find me on Twitter Mike Morandi 
David. Uh, Dave Glanz on Twitter, G-L-E-N-C, DaveGlanzProductions.com. The way you say your name is a little serial killer, Dave. It is a little Glanz. It's like, it's a body. Ivan, where can people find you? <laughs> you can find me at Twitter, at Ivan Kander. That's uh, K-A-N-D-E-R. You can find me on my website is Lucky9Studios.com, and I write and edit for a website called ShortOfTheWeek.com. Yep, there we go. Um, so there we go. For next episode, this is going to be Michael's choice. Mike has chosen... Um, Don't ruin it. Wait. I have chosen Apollo 13. Which I believe is celebrating its 20-year anniversary as well, correct? Right. It came out the, the same the summer as Clueless. Yeah. So we're going to see a movie. Um, and it's 1995 month here. Perfect. We're gonna, we're gonna be able to talk. Let's compare and contrast Clueless with Apollo 13. All Very right. similar films. Yes. Oh, boy. Um, so <laughs> until next time, you can find us at Facebook at facebook.com slash reviewed podcast. And uh, be, sure, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review if you'd be so kind. Uh, thanks so much for watching. Um, watching. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, listening. God. And uh, we will see you guys And hopefully there was time. no echo, right? Oh, no. This is going to be good. The yeah. audio quality is going to be good, except for that yeah. cricket that you've been hearing the entire <laughs> yeah, time. Cricket. But otherwise, <laughs> it's going to be very good. So we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. Yeah, and I just don't like what's his name, BJ Novak. I just don't like him. Oh, I like really. Him. Yeah, he thinks. I think he thinks he's too cool. No, he's good. I like. And him. I'm like, I have not seen him in anything where I've been like, yeah, he nailed that. I just every time I see him in the office, screen, Glorious <laughs> Bastard. I don't like him. In, no, I don't like him in the office. I didn't see him in Glorious Bastard, but in the office, he was the worst character in the show, and they kept spending all this time on him. And because okay, you're a writer, let's, you know what? Let's start this. <laughs> let's do it.